We saw what Simeon had to say at the birth of Christ, the event shortly thereafter, 40 days later. Let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. But as we partook of the Lord's table, we uh, focused on the Savior, his death, and we are remembering him until he comes. And so with that would be his resurrection and implications for all of us. I'd like you to turn with me to the Gospel of John and to the 21st chapter. I wanted an opportunity to reflect for myself, for each one of you, for our young people as they'll be heading back to school for our college students as they'll be leaving, for individuals that have been away for a vacation or a break and now are back in their regular routine. And if you're like me, you find that first day back to work is kind of a hard day. You know, you're used to just having things a little more comfortable, a little more laid back, and what you realize is as you come into 2019, Life is still just as hectic. It is filled with different responsibilities and stresses. For our school students, it won't be too long before they'll be cramming for exams, trying to get papers done, trying to meet all their obligations. And for the rest of us, our other responsibilities that need to uh, have our attention. But we just sang, all glory be to Christ. What is it that really needs to be foremost in our thinking each and every day, regardless of what pressures, what tyranny of the urgent, or responsibilities are before us? Whether it be dealing with responsibilities in the world, where it be ministry that the Lord would provide us the opportunity to perform. Whatever it may be, there is one thing that is most essential. Look with me in this resurrection account where the Lord appears to his disciples in Galilee. And in doing so, particularly picks out Peter and has something to say to him. After they had dined, we notice verse 15, John 21. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Because he said to him the third time, 
do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And he who had, was also had leaned back on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So that would be none other than John, the apostle. And Peter, therefore, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now this account written in John's gospel probably was written after Peter had already been executed for his faith in Christ. And what we find in 68 AD, Peter was crucified. And tradition has it that because of his desire not to be experiencing death the same way that his Savior had experienced it, he requested that he be crucified upside down. Regardless, he had already been martyred for his walk with Christ and his testimony. And here we find in this account in Galilee that Jesus is addressing the apostles and in particular Peter with a very important question. Now some have said that this was the opportunity where Peter was restored to Christ. That's not exactly true. We know that Peter three times publicly denied the Savior, but Christ in his grace personally appeared to Peter after Peter had run to the tomb, found it empty, wasn't sure what's going on. But we find that when the disciples gathered on resurrection day that evening and the two from Emmaus had returned, the disciples were buzzing about the fact that Christ had personally appeared to the women and he had also personally appeared to Peter before that time of appearing to all the apostles. But in that, if you remember in the upper room, Peter had made a declaration. And that is that he had a devotion to the Savior that was superior to all the others. And Christ had said, three times tonight you will publicly deny me. And here we find Christ graciously providing Peter with a threefold opportunity to affirm his love and devotion to Christ publicly in the presence of the other apostles. There's debate about exactly what was being requested of Peter. And what we find are two Greek words that are used for the term love in this passage. And when Christ asked the question of Peter the first time, he says, Peter, do you agape me? 
Agapao, do you love me? And Peter's response is, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And the second time when Christ asked the question, he again asked the question, Peter, do you agapao, do you agape, do you love me? And Peter responded with, Lord, you know that I love, I phileo you. And the third time that he asked the question, Christ said, Peter, do you phileo, do you love me? And Peter's response was, Lord, you know that I phileo, I love you. The difference between the two is one is a word that speaks about volition and choice, determination, to select something and make that the object of your life and focus. The other is an expression of one's delight, desires, and emotion. And what we find is, is that as Christ asked the question, Peter, is your volition set on me? Do you love me? Peter responded with the fact that he had a delight in the Savior, an emotional desire for him. Now, the difference can be emphasized, but the reality is both are essential for God's people. If I look at what Christ, or excuse me, John said in his first epistle, he makes it very clear, we love him, agape, agapapa. Why? Because he first loved us. Same word, agapapa. We love him because he first loved us. Interestingly enough, Peter, in his first letter, made it very clear for God's people in chapter 1 where he says, although you have not seen him, you love him. And the word that Peter uses is the word agapao, agape. You have a volitional determination for him. In the same way, when we are told that the greatest of all commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second that flows out of it is to love your neighbor as yourself. The words that are used there when it is translated into Greek are the word, is the word agapao, agape, love, volitional choice. My life is to be volitionally devoted to him. But it is not something that is irksome for God's people. It is a desire, a delight, an emotional response. It shouldn't surprise us because if we consider both who he is and what he has done, it is only appropriate that our emotions are moved for the great sacrifice that he has made for his people. I'd like to just highlight a couple of things out of this interchange between Peter and the Lord without going into a discussion of the significance of the difference, whether it was 
Christ finally condescending to what Peter said, because we find that both words are used in reference to the Lord's love for his people. He both has loved us volitionally, agapao, agape. He also delights in his children. He loves us, phileo. Example in John's Gospel, where Christ said, Don't think that I will pray to the Father on your behalf, because the Father himself phileos you. He has an emotional delight in you. You are kept as the object of his affections. The Old Testament, it tells us that God's love for his people is so intimate and personal. It's the way he keeps us as the apple of his eye, as the way of which your body naturally protects your eye itself. Anytime dust, particles, or any other thing that could be detrimental approaches it. In the same way, God's people respond both volitionally and emotionally to the Lord. Now, what is it that I'd like us to learn? The first, while we will not have the same responsibility as Peter, what is most essential for us today as we begin a new year is love for Christ. Christ didn't ask Peter, do you trust me? Peter, do you have the blessed hope? Remember, there's three great virtues, aren't there? Those virtues are faith, hope, and love. But 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is love. And bottom line for God's people is the real question, do I love Christ? Do I love him volitionally? Do I love him emotionally? He is really the delight of my heart, and rightfully so, because he is fairer than any of the sons of men, Psalm 45. There is a splendor and a majesty and a glory in the person of Christ that transcends anything else. And he should not only capture my will, he should capture my affection. So as you go through each day, as you return to school, as you are in your job, as you are impacted by the various pressures that come, the real bottom line is the question, do I love Christ? See, religious people make a big deal about their religion. God's people make a big deal about Christ. Religion saves no one. Only Christ can deliver us from our sins. The second thing to recognize is that if I love Christ, my responsibility is to follow him. Did God have the same agenda and schedule for the beloved Apostle John as he did for Peter? Absolutely not. 
And when Peter asked the question, what about John? What about this man? What did Christ say to him? What is that to you? You follow me. And what you need to recognize as you come into 2019 with all the responsibility that you have, it isn't what God is doing in other people. It isn't the type of ministry or opportunities that God gives to other ones of his children. The reality is God has given you a commission. That commission is to walk with him. That commission is to grow in him. That commission is to love him. And everything else takes second place. And what is really most essential for you is to follow Jesus Christ. How is it the writer of Hebrews expressed it? In Hebrews chapter 12. If you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, men and women who walked and lived by faith, let us run the race that is set before us. And the recognition is that God has a prescribed life course for each one of us. That term translated race means that there is a course that has been set out for the participants. And God's people are to run the race that is set before them. How are they to do that? Looking unto Jesus he is the author and finisher of faith. He is the one that will sustain you and strengthen you as you go through the things of life. And notice that Jesus did not paint for Peter an easy course that was designed for him. Peter, what awaits you is that when you get old, instead of retiring and having the cushy life, Someone else is going to stretch out your arms, take you to a place in which you don't desire to go. And in this he signified what kind of death Peter would endure by which he would glorify God. And after saying that, he said, you follow me. No one of us, not any one of us knows what God has designed for us even today, let alone tomorrow. And what is most important for us is to humbly seek to do his will and his bidding regardless of the cost. And not to do it grudgingly. Not to do it in a way that says, well, I guess this is what I have to do. But after the example of Jesus Christ, when it says of him that sacrifice and burnt offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me, I delight to do your will, O God, because your word, your truth is in my heart. God's people should be people who find their supreme delight in doing God's good pleasure. Third, Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know I love you. And the third time he said, Lord, 
You know all things. You're not going to fool him. You can voice with your mouth, I love Jesus Christ. He knows the reality. Whether it be volitionally or emotionally, as the delight of your heart, there is something tangible happening in your experience. And God is well aware of the inner resources of your being. As, Paul, uh, excuse me, as David would say in Psalm 139, before there's even a word on my tongue, you know it already. As the writer of Hebrews would say in Hebrews 4, he is the one that discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And the thing that is most essential for us is to hear the question that Christ asked of his followers. Do you love me? And instead of wondering how Peter responded and whether or not there's a distinction between volitional and emotional love, how would you answer the question if Christ asked it of you? Would you be able to say with Peter, Lord, you know that I love you. So what are the bottom lines of that? That means regardless of what your responsibility is each day, the love of your life has the priority. And that love of your life has to be none other than Jesus Christ. And so as you return to school, as you're back in your responsibilities each day, as you look at 2019, what really matters most is more love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. And this same Apostle Peter, when he wrote his second letter, said that what's really most important for you is to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ the Lord. He wasn't saying learn facts about him. It's a personal relationship between God and his people. It's experiential. It's not looking for some type of miraculous display and signs says oh yeah God's here because who looks for the signs an evil and perverse generation God's people are individuals who seek to cultivate their relationship with the Lord and grow in him isn't that true of any healthy relationship husbands with wives parents with children it's investing in one another, learning of one another. What analogy does Paul use to say this is the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church? Husbands with their wives and wives with their husband. The reality is my relationship with Christ is a dynamic, ongoing relationship. And I need to be growing more intimate, deeper in my walk with him each day. And while I do not neglect whatever responsibilities 
that God gives to me as one of his children. While I don't look around and see how are all of those around me doing and why is God doing for them what he's not doing for me, what I need to recognize is that God in his wisdom has brought me to this place and brought in my life that which is most essential to transform me into the image of Christ and deepen my relationship with him. What's most important for you today? What's most important for God's people in 2019? More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. And regardless of what comes in your life or in mine, may God and his grace keep anything from hindering that devotion to him. Because the demonstration of true love to Christ is one that unreservedly is dedicated to knowing him and pleasing him regardless of what it costs. Let's pray. Father, we come into a new year. It's an arbitrary date that we have set to try to say it's a new beginning. But more importantly, it's an opportunity for us to reflect upon our lives and to reflect upon our relationship with you. Father, we do love you. We love you because you first loved us. And Father, we ask that in this coming year, there would be an ever-increasing manifestation of our loving devotion to you. And we pray, Father, that in your omniscient understanding of our being, like Peter, we would be able to say, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. We indeed do love you. And we thank you for the abundance of your grace in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.